Hello and welcome. You're listening to Requires Improvement, a podcast that aims to critically discuss all aspects of the current UK education system from an unashamedly left-wing perspective. With the support of listeners and guests, we want to find out what's going well and what really requires improvement. Right, so um, it's been quite eventful, hasn't it, everybody? Um, (laughs) Happy New Year. Uh, So we've got quite a few things to discuss. um, And the first one first item that we, we want to talk about is the early close campaign and uh who would like to put their take on that one first i wish boris johnson would stop doing brinkmanship with my capacity to function as a person you know like just to be told right up to the moment at which the right decision was finally taken to, to be to be forced to live in opposite land where you're just being told over and over again by your government the schools are safe what are you worrying about the employers are lined up behind them using the dfe as a shield i i just feel wrung out i feel like at the end of my tether because boris just keeps fucking with my mind uh i don't know how the rest of you feel about it well yeah i mean the other people that require improvement are the people who are like constantly uh, who aren't even part of the Conservative Party who are kind of still agreeing with that line. Like on every forum, like because we were trying to push for before Christmas the kind of things to be, uh, you know, closed early. And um, you've just got this like bunch of simps who come up every single time and say, oh, well, actually, I think schools are good. So, like, well, well, yeah, so do well, we. I'm, I'm a teacher. Sure. I work in one. Uh, but also... <laughs> Thousands of people are dying, and please listen to what we're saying. I think it's worth uh, um, pointing out to people who don't work in education, there's a lot of people in education as well, just how bizarre that those last few weeks were, because we could all see what was kind of happening in front of us. We could, if it wasn't our schools directly affected, it was other schools. But yeah, and, um, as as Nick mentioned, we kind of had a campaign here in the southwest to push for an early closure, and um, I was getting... Um, letters sent through by CEOs of multi-academy trusts and they were quoting word for word DfE guidance which basically said if we have members of staff who are clinically extremely vulnerable i.e if they catch it they will die and the plan before Christmas was yep after Christmas they're going to be back in as, as normal that was that was the DfE line literally the last day before ter- term term closed before Christmas, and it was it was just bizarre to just see people parroting these lines. I don't I didn't quite understand to what end because what was going to happen was obviously going to happen. The situation we we're in now was inevitable at that point. Anyone could see it, but you still had people sticking to I'm going to potentially kill uh, members of my staff for 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 what for for Gavin Williamson. I don't know. We'd, we'd give him an OBE or something to get an outstanding on the home learning from Ofsted, maybe. Um, I literally, the last morning that we broke up on that last Friday, we sent, we had to send an entire year group home again because we got the call, oh yeah, there's a positive case. So I spent my my last morning of the term in a hall chaperoning an entire group of year group of kids um, waiting so we could phone calls home to get them sent home. Um, it was an absolute, it was chaos, it was shambles. And I mean, I, Keir Starmer, the fact that he, I believe it was on the 18th of December, he still was saying that I want everyone in school, no ifs, no buts. Like, yeah, 
absolutely shameful. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that's not being really criticised at all at this point is the fact that if, only if, uh, we'd been listened to as a union, as as educators, that we wanted the schools to close earlier, what happened at Christmas could have been either one of two options. I'm guessing that, you know, maybe we would have gone for a, a more, a bigger blowout for Christmas, so therefore saying, oh yeah, you can meet in bigger groups or whatever because we've had this two weeks. But what should have been happening as as well as having two weeks at least before Christmas where we're all sort of in, in a sort of a quite strict lockdown, is then having, yeah, maybe still quite a, I don't know, antisocial as it were Christmas because we knew what was going to happen. If we wanted to prepare for the fact that coming back after Christmas it was going to be you know, the state it was, that wasn't a secret, the the data was there, then we needed to be closing two weeks earlier and having uh, the Christmas. We ended up having only finding out with mere moments and days uh, to know what the restrictions were going to be. And what we're looking at come January would have been very different. And that's something that we've been saying, and that was ignored. But we wouldn't have had 1,000... Yeah. 300 odd people die in a single day yeah in a single day like when you actually look at that and you think those numbers it's it beg it like I, I can't even I haven't got the words to how angry yeah it's a whole it's double my school in a day like that is literally I, I'm so angry and flabbergasted like I'm trying to find the words because that should never have happened. I remember back in the days where they were going, oh yeah, um, best case scenario, 20,000 people dying. Oh, we'll try and keep it below that. We're currently about 80,000 and we're looking probably upwards of 100,000 people dead. Like not with COVID, dead. And that is, as far as I'm concerned, a fucking criminal act on behalf of our government. Like I can't ever think, I can't think in my lifetime where the negligence of government have literally led or will lead to a hundred thousand people dying. And I know I'm like, we all know this, but, and it is quite an emotive thing, but this is literally the whole point of what we were saying. Like we're seeing what's happening. Schools are massive, massive vectors of transmission. We're telling you that this is going to happen. You ignore us, you ignore us, including the Labour Party ignored us. Sorry, the right of the Labour Party ignored us. And you don't want to be right. I don't want to be sat here going, yeah, it turns out we were right and uh, we proved you right. It's a fucking grim thing to have to, to comprehend, but that is literally where we are. And What you're failing to... Uh, <laughs> I can see you're angry, Lauren, but what you're failing to understand is that, that children, yeah, it's good for children to be educated. <laughs> that is the kind of thing. And actually, I've also met a teacher and they say that they they also think that kids should be educated in schools. So, yes, thousands and thousands of people are dying every single day. Yes, lockdowns do work and they reduce transmission. But children, yeah, kids, they, they normally go to school. They should go yeah. to school. And, you know, it's, com- it's complicated, isn't it? It's complicated. Oh, yeah, it's really complicated, yeah. Not being in school for a week or two weeks. Yeah. It's complicated. So, you know, fair a few crazy lefties come along and you say, we should do things to make the world less shit. Well, actually, maybe, maybe things should just be the same uh, forever and, and, <laughs> and continue to be worse and let's not do fucking anything about it, yeah? Yeah. This is literally, literally on, like, on our kind of 
CLP Facebook pages, you, you say anything about like closing skills, people come in and they just give that terrible answer without really reading what you've put. And it's kind of fun to poke fun at them and kind of go around in circles with it. But it's like one, one useful thing comes out of it. It's like, and you can see MPs do this. Like you say to your MP, um, maybe we shouldn't vote to uh, kill. Uh, we, we shouldn't give police infinite powers to impersonate uh, peaceful protesters <laughs> and impreg- rape them, impregnate them. And uh, yeah, we shouldn't, shouldn't give the security forces uh, power to torture people. And then they go back, they come back to that and they say, well, it's actually quite complicated and maybe we should sometimes. But I think we need to kind of say this more. It's like, okay, this stuff in workplaces, it's complicated. Yeah, that's why we discuss it as equals and we vote on what's going to happen. Uh, and that's the kind of thing. And the, and the Labour right and the Labour MPs and kind of just generally stupid idiot people, they will use this idea that there's any kind of, if there's a difference of opinion, it means that it's a complicated situation. And they'll pull yes. out some anecdote of like one person, one reactionary knob that they know who's very, very outspoken in their views. And they will use that to kind of say that everything that you're saying is nonsense. We have to kind of hold our guns here and say, no, we have worked this. It is complicated, but we know we're the people that know the most about it because we're the people that work there. And we're organized through structures, which means that we sometimes, hopefully more, more often than not, we pick the right thing to do because we voted on it and we've discussed it in the right way. That's, that's the best way to make these decisions, not just base it on like opinion polling or not just base it on like your uncle knobhead who, you know, just has this really strong opinion. You can't sharp about it. Um, uh, you know, and you're, yeah. And at the end of the day, no one saying that kids not being at school isn't bad. Like, of course it's bad, but kids not being at school means that people don't die. That is better. Like, you can't, you know, it is that simple. Like, nothing, nothing, no decision should ever override people's right to remain alive. Like, and I don't see how, you know, people want to, like, do their pseudo-nuance, you know, arguments about it, but there isn't. It's either do this people don't die don't do it more people die end of and i'm at that point where i I will refuse to hear anything else because i i just cannot believe the scale um and there was a really interesting thing i saw on Newsnight where um i've forgotten the presenter but they showed it was the olympic stadium in 2012 like the london stadium like full of people and they were like yeah so this is how many people have died of covid so far in this country now it's hard to imagine those numbers because when they're numbers, they're very, you can be very removed from them. They're quite arbitrary and they panned around the stadium and you just saw all of those people. And when you saw that and you're like, that is how many people have died. It, it's horrific. Olympic stadium, because that's the only thing that liberals care about. The peak <laughs> of human culture uh, was that moment. And imagine if it didn't happen because everyone was dead. Oh my God, maybe we need to do something about this. I mean, I get that cynical, like, absolutely. But I think part of it is because it's the only fucking thing we have that has the capacity to yeah. house all the dead people. Like, that's, that's, that's the truth of the matter. Like, <laughs> anyway. And they could, do, it, yeah. they could do the ceremony. They could do the ceremony just like again and again, like a religious building where they just read the scroll, like, from start to end. They could just do the ceremony again and again, like this kind of weird mausoleum of like Britishness that's yeah that's what the, the, the... isn't that what heaven is to them like yeah. I'm sure there's been yeah so so when you when, when you die all the everyone just shows up at the at the 
<laughs> the stadium just being like ready to watch uh, the whole ceremony over and over and over again in a state of complete bliss for the rest of their lives or rest of their, their eternal lives I should say uh, but um sorry to return to the serious matter of the fact that all these people have died it is yeah, it is definitely just it's so shocking but it's also something that we're removed from not because we can't cope with the numbers I don't think it's because we don't have the gravity of it presented to us in the media on a daily basis they'll occasionally show us um you know a stadium but that's that's about it like the 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 idea of a you know a whole school's worth of of people um dying every day it doesn't doesn't get across i i don't think at all um yeah but but another point i was thinking about earlier um linked to what lauren was saying it's the argument is so often presented as if it was schools closed, schools open, as if those are the two, as if what we've cut, what we had before, say like in the last term, was open, and what this is now, would you you class as closed? But I, I think that you know the stories that you know we have ourselves that we've shared from just our schools, let alone what you see um, from other members of the NEU on on Twitter and stuff. That if you class what was um, going on last term as open, I think it, it needs to be unpicked. It needs to be looked at more. That's not true. Because it was open, uh, in quotes, um, it wasn't open at all because there was so much infection that classrooms, whole whole cohorts, whole schools were closing down all the time. They were, yeah. And um, when they close down, you can't do, oh, this is a key worker child, they're going to stay in. They're all closed, like that's it so whether you've got a laptop whether you've got internet whether you've got anything the school can't provide for you in that same way um as easily um and it's ridiculous like my school did have some um crowbooks for the children but i my understanding is that that's a very rare thing um and something they were able to do very quickly but that's not the norm at all and you look at it now when you call them oh now they're closed but they're not closed again they're, they're open to those who need it and it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination maybe we'll talk about all the different ways why why it's not perfect at all but it is better and it's at least um good knowing that it can't be um getting too much worse and they're very small um small cases where you'd expect that now bubbles will um, be sent uh, into isolation i imagine it's going to happen but i imagine it's going to be so much more rare and so many fewer ch- children involved in 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 that process. Absolutely, and also it's worth reminding those that may not be um, educators uh, listening to this that schools are not closed completely. They are still open for key worker and vulnerable children. Um, and actually, the schools now um, are more uh, have more children in them than they did generally in the first lockdown. Um, the the take-up does seem to have been higher from reports that we're seeing. Right, so I think we've kind of, quite emotively in places, uh, myself, um, talks about the early close campaign, but it is also, uh, you know, it's worth reminding the reason, the the ultimate reason why we are in lockdown. Uh, You know, it is important. So item two, uh, our second requires improvement is around the section 44. So about the organising that uh, the NEU have admirably uh, taken and other people, not so much. So does anyone want to 
chip in on that one? Yeah, I'll start with that. And I like Nick's point about the law is a construct. And you hear a lot of people talk about their, their rights at work. And I think it's, yeah, the whole concept of, of your rights, your legal rights at work are are a bit of a construct, a bit of a sham. Your rights are worth precisely nothing unless you have the power to enforce them. Like, let's think, for example, um, in education, we have the Burgundy book, we have 1265 hours um, over the academic year, 195 days. All teachers work a lot longer than that. Whether that's you stressed out at two o'clock in the morning, running uh, things racing through your brain, we can count that as work. But pe- yeah, people people don't enforce them. And um, yeah, Section 44 is a, an interesting bit of legislation. I think it was quite a bold move on the part of the leadership of the NEU and a commendable one because no one email us or write into us or try and quote me on anything legal because I'm guaranteed to get it wrong. My understanding of Section 44, jumping if I've got it wrong, is that it's purely an individual choice and it's an individual right of the worker um, to refuse to work in an unsafe workplace, which seems totally reasonable and totally obvious. But I think one thing we have seen this week is educators, education workers being collectively reminded of their individual rights to say this is unsafe I don't want to die, I don't want to be part of a process that may lead to other people to die and I'm not going into work and all this week we've been told no you're wrong Um, your understanding of clear legislation is wrong and how dare you have the temerity to stand up for yourself This this legislation wasn't designed for you to close down to limit the number of people coming into a school, how dare you? And I think... And that was just from the NASDWT. Well, yeah, it's quite... <laughs> here we go then, yeah. That's, uh, before we even get beyond, yeah, beyond other other trade unions, absolutely. But I think, yeah, I think an interesting thing around that we could maybe talk about a bit, always comes almost like the... I think this week I've seen almost a kind of a streak of additional vindictiveness from Williamson, from, from the Tories off the back of this, because, I mean... This decision, whether it came with or without NEU organising, maybe it would have, maybe it wouldn't have, but I think the NEU organising um, over the last week definitely led to the right decision finally belatedly, way too late being made. But I think as soon soon after the soon after that, we then saw a massive broadening of the definition of key worker vulnerable to the point where we do have educators being like, well, before, before lockdown, I was teaching a class of 25. Now... Um, now with these new definitions of key worker and vulnerable, I'm now teaching a class of 23. So that's how that's how reduced the numbers are in, in my classroom. Um, yeah, so I think it's an interesting one to talk about what the law says, the power it does give employees, it does give workers, and also just how, yeah, how, how timid and how scared some unions, let's just say, were in actually following through with it and actually having a little bit of courage to risk the ire of the government to save people's lives, protect workers. And not just unions either. Like, interestingly, I'm pretty sure, like, Keir Starmer on Twitter has come out saying, I support the British gas strikers. Um, where, where were you? Where were you, mate? Like, when we, we needed your support. Well, Lauren, like, you're failing to understand that uh, he has quite a strong <laughs> belief, yeah, follow, follow me because it's quite hard, that children... <laughs> You know, the little, they're like humans that are smaller. They, <laughs> when they go to school, they learn stuff and that's good. I think that's, ba- that's basically the sum of what he was saying. Um, no, I just to kind of, I mean, it's hard to kind of tell people who listen to this uh, 
pockets like how much detail they know. I mean, this section 44 thing has been in the news. It's been quite big. Um, like we had, you know, the NEU had a big meeting that was huge, you know, probably the biggest union meeting in this country's history. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And it's because it, we did it really well in the first lockdown as well. Um, but this kind of, it's almost like the strategy's evolved a bit. Um, or I don't know whether the situation's different, but this felt, again, it was us at our best. Um, you know, like big mobilizations, um, using the support of all the structures of reps in schools and things like that, plus knowing that we're right. And then just kind of the other thing that was cool about this was it was just, it was that kind of the McAlevey thing of um, getting people to act, getting people to act, say you, you have to do this. It's not some vague we, but actually we just mean the rep is going to go and sort it out. It's like you have to send this letter and you have to do it and you and all of your colleagues are going to do it. And when that happens, um, you're, you're powerful. And so like, you know, massive respect to, uh, all these new reps, but also massive respect to or everyone in a primary school like we had in our area, we've got primary schools that have never had a rep. Uh, we tried calling them in the last lockdown. They didn't really seem to care. And then this time around, you've got people sending in section 44, but that's, that's hard. That's a hard Amazing. thing to do. And that's why I kind of have, have respect for, uh, like the heads unions on this because again they were being pretty sensible they they were not hostile to us they were like yeah that good that that helps us to do the right thing if, if people are, are doing that and the kind of the honorable scab mention here uh has to be for the NASCWT, which the, their new general secretary seems to be like better like he seems to say like um he seems to kind of agree with us more in public and he kind of seemed, and I thought, oh, this is going to be cool because they'll have the right line on it. And then um, they sent a letter to their members, basically, an email to their members saying um, Section 44 won't work. And if you use it, you might get fired. Yeah, it was it was a, a detailed legal breakdown of what the boss's lawyers are going to say. It was intended to scare the living daylights out of you that you're gonna be in breach of contract that you'll be sued it was designed to just put the neu membership off of a determined course of action and and if you are a member of the naswt right i think you should be asking yourself what is my union for is it for discouraging the action of other unions designed to keep us all safe I mean, I, I just, I would be resigning my membership of the NASUWT this week had I had I witnessed that 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 leadership decision and public stance in the previous week. It was a disgrace. Was as a disgrace. many people as many people have done, and like we're I getting mean, yeah. new reps, we're, we're getting new members all the time, and that's not necessarily coming from like un, undone people. But um, yeah, I think it's just their their analysis of power is completely wrong. Like they look at that law and they go, oh well, the you know if the words on the page are in a certain order that means you can get this thing but we worry that the words on the page aren't in the right order and there's not enough of them so we don't get the thing and we're coming from a standpoint of like no our power comes from all of us doing this thing at the same time and then what the fuck are they going to do even if we're wrong about the law it doesn't matter if everyone uses it at the same time it doesn't matter uh, but they don't get that that's not there that's not how they work do you not think that it's something really dumb and simple like we are the union well we as in the NEU is the union are of militancy and what we do is clearly militant they're the non-militant one and want to like maintain that branding forever um no matter no matter what really and that if we do something historic they have to do something you know 
that has a different spin on it. In this case, they've chosen to do it that way. Um, and they saw that as just being a way to get members themselves. So people would go, oh, I'm really scared about this current situation. Uh, what union do I join? Oh, I think I'll join the one that's, you know... Yeah, the one with no rights. That one's these. I mean, obviously, it was a bad play. It was a bad play, but do you not think there's something in it that they were like, we, a whole thing is not being militant. That's clearly a militant thing to do. And there was no way on earth they were going to, I don't know, get behind it. Like, maybe that's the easy thing to see in hindsight. I don't know. But to me, it just it matched up with what I'd expect them to do. Um, and I, yeah, I think it was a reputation-based thing. I, I, yeah, when it, when you look at it um, now, you see, obviously, yeah, that was saying, oh, yeah, don't have any workers' rights, just listen to the bosses, uh, which is obviously not what you're supposed to do. But yeah, it, it comes from a, it comes from a really stupid place. But I think the NAS exists to be um, the the union for educators who who have in the back of their mind, oh, I need, I'll need some legal protection if some kid makes an allegation against me. The NASUWT seems to exist for educators who don't want to have any interest in anything wider than what's going on in their classroom. They don't want to be involved in anything that's anything that smells like a campaign or like organising or anything that might be militant, whatever that might mean. But I mean, way to kind of misread possibly the most historic situation in, in all of our professional lives, the biggest event ever, to think, oh, but our members don't like campaigning. It's like, well, maybe on this one issue, that might be the biggest issue ever to face uh, education ever. Maybe this might be the one thing that might tip them into, the, into that position to maybe consider thinking, starting about campaigning and organising. But no, I mean, yeah, way to be presented with, with an open goal and to completely completely missed missed the ball frankly it was it was yeah i think the, the depressing thing charlie said is it's i wasn't surprised but you you were kind of hoping that maybe maybe things things would happen and i mean obviously within the union some people who were demanding um uh, the nu took a stronger line and and um, were pushing for this section 44 strategy earlier but i thought it was interesting to kind of see um see the kind of progression of, of the leadership of the neu i think just before christmas you saw increasingly Kevin Courtney becoming very exasperated. I was seeing um, where he'd be quoted in newspapers seeing like the government have to do this, the government have to do that and it's like well no the government don't have to do anything they won't do anything, they're certainly not going to just listen to our reason and the force of our argument, things will only ever happen if if we organise and if we get to the point where we give people that kind of courage and that confidence to do something incredibly brave, which was to put your name. Um, yeah, for people who don't know Section 44, you have to put your name to the letter publicly. Your boss, your employer, the person who has that power over over your professional life is going to see your name on a piece of paper. But people got to the point where, where they did have to make that decision and they did have to make that stand. And I'd be interested to see the numbers of people who did do this across the country but certainly from where, where we are in the southwest it was it was hundreds if not thousands easily i'm like personally um, amazingly proud of of the neu uh, at the moment and and everything that they've done and just personally after the i've never experienced a term like i have in the last one since september to december has been like it, it almost broke me actually if I'm if I'm really honest and the thought of going back 
and facing what I'd faced for that last three months, I I I, I will quite happily say that I I couldn't talk about work for the entirety of the Christmas holidays about crying. It took me until like the last evening of the holidays where I could actually have a conversation about work and just not like have a massive anxiety attack and basically burst into tears. Now, as much as, you know, our job is a, is a very stressful one and there are times where I have felt, you know, overwhelmed. I've never, ever felt genuine, like, panic about my job. And it and the fact that and I, my, my school was particularly badly affected with the numbers of students um, that we were sending home on a, like, every, like by a daily, every other daily basis. Um, and, and just knowing that what I was hearing from the media and the politicians, schools are safe, schools are safe. And I'm like, don't don't gaslight me. Like, I, I'm, I'm telling you they're not safe. Social distancing is a fantasy. Like, I, I cannot tell you how unsafe it, it is. And it certainly was. And the numbers of students that we had to send home is absolutely testament to that. So knowing that the NEU and all the people that had campaigned and actually I wasn't at my best over over the the holidays and I don't feel that I I was as good as at campaigning as I normally would have been simply because I was so anxious and and absolutely broken by it um but knowing that I had the NEU to support me and the people around me to actually feel like part of a union and part of like a support network that really had um changed things um I just can't, I can't praise enough, actually. Um, and, and what it gave me back was my fight. It, it gave me my fight back. It gave me my, like, it, it calmed me down. Um, it gave my fight back. It made me realise I wasn't alone, that I, I'm not going to, um, you know, I, I'm not just a lone voice. I've got the backing of the largest, you know, teachers union in Europe. And actually, they're saying the right things and doing the right things. So just from a personal point of view, like, I could not be more proud of being an NEU member than I am now. Charlie, did you have a point you wanted to come in on? Oh, yeah. So swirling back, I was just going to say um, very similar thing to Lauren about how uh, proud I was to sort of see how many people had stepped up um, to put in their Section 44 on an individual level or in um, members' groups from their school. It was incredible to see. And just looking back to like the, what other unions were doing, um, what uh, the NAS was suggesting doing, really did scare people. And that was the sort of moment where I was just like thinking that they were going to actually convince people not to put their Section 44s in. Um, but the way people rallied around and supported each other, they did it anyway, by and large. Maybe a few people being too frightened um, to do it from from just seeing screenshots of letters, not being members themselves, but seeing screenshots of the letter that was sent um, to other members. Um, that could have turned the tide, and it didn't. And it just shows where, they, where they've stood now in history as being, yeah, completely on the wrong side. They could at the very least, I don't know, say something, if you want to send in your letter, then do, but also don't, who knows. But they really stood against it. And I just think, good on us, shame on them, basically. basically. Yeah, if, you're, if, you're in, if you're in a union <laughs> that you don't want to be part of anymore because you've listened to us and taken on board what we've had to say, uh, 
don't just contact the union, just cancel your direct debit from your bank. If you, if you email them and say, can I check, can I close my membership? They'll just kind of ignore it. Go into a direct debits and just cancel the direct debit and then join us and welcome. Uh, that's, that's my advice. We're great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have a worrying premonition that um, it has been perceived as a victory for us by the right as well. There's certainly um, some rather unpleasant language in the right-wing press about the NEU at the moment and the need to curb us or to discipline us. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a sense of the right's frustration with the actual ineptitude of Boris's government writ large, but... um, yeah, the idea that workers might be calling the shots on matters of health and safety is obviously anathema to these people, the government and the 13 million people who voted for this fucking travesty at the last general election. Well, it's like it's like somebody who is actually angry at themselves but doesn't really want to admit it, so they're trying to find other things to, to blame and be angry at, and that's what the right wing are doing. They're fully aware that they must... I mean, how can you not be aware of the absolute just ineptitude and, like slow car crash that is the current administration like surely sure we'll get onto this when we talk about gavin williamson they they intend to govern and they've been allowed to govern with complete impunity nothing they like we would not be in this situation if there was a media or any kind of actual political process to hold these people to account uh, and there isn't one and so when we do stuff that makes them do something different they hate that. Um, and then that, that, that thing where they say they need to put us in line, they compare us to the, the National Union of Mine Workers, which is super cool. Um, but they also... <laughs> yeah, paying us compliments. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's like a kind of double-sided thing. It's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, those kind of... I mean, I suppose... I, I mean, I've, I've done the uh, Battle of Hastings lesson with my year eight. So if it came to like a mounted police charge, I think I could get the kids into some kind of useful shield wall formation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> A feigned retreat. Yeah, Battle of Orgreave High. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, but again, it comes from their idea of power, doesn't it? It's that that we're messing with. They, you know, they, they don't. They should be able to make these calm, rational decisions about what affects, you know, what what happens to the country. But here's these people who are coming along and they're forcing their self interest on us, and that just can't be allowed to happen. And if we just slap them around the face, they'll just. They'll have to. They'll have to calm down. And like maybe they will. Maybe they will crush us. Yeah, fine. But um, but at the same time, we've got just as much chance of doing the same thing again if we just do do you know do what we're doing and organise properly. You know, it's all it's all, well, it's all we've got. I'd rather go down fighting. I think down. Lee's point is um, about um, it links to Jay McLeavy's idea of inoculation. We know exactly exactly what they're gonna they're gonna try to do to us. But yeah, think about the the NUM. Like what what. Can they do? Can they shut down schools? Can they outsource education out of this country? I think the the great thing around Section Forty Four is that educators did. Hopefully, there are there are thousands of educators across Britain now who now are beginning to appreciate that their latent power and how how needed they are. They can't like I mean one thing remote learning will prove is that a kind of that the grand idea is some of the more out there people in the right wing to just get rid of teachers altogether, let the computers do it all. Um, and outsource education entire, entirely is 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 n- probably never going to to gain enough support um, to ever be successful. So I think, yeah, I think 
I thought a lot this week of just reading section 44 and rereading it. And it's like, it does say this. These are the words on the page. This is the legislation. Um, and just kind of it going over in your mind, being like, but maybe it's wrong. Surely it's wrong. Like the NSUWT are telling me it's wrong. Uh, head teachers, some head teachers are saying it's wrong. The government's saying it's wrong. Maybe maybe we have no right to, to protect ourselves and to protect the community. Maybe we should just be accept, um, expected to just um, meekly shuffle on in to, to school to, to spread a, a deadly virus around. But- you, can tell the, you can tell the, uh, the, the legislation is, is correct and the way that we were using it is correct because they sent a letter to every head teacher saying that we'd retracted it. That was what, that was what the government did after we did that, they, they closed the schools and then they sent a letter saying, oh, we're being, you know, just like pure propaganda bomb of like, oh, the NEU has said, on reflection, they were wrong about what they decided to use. And it's like, it's just simply bullshit, completely not true. And um, yeah, they're just kind of showing their hand with these things. And I, I just got to hope that, you know, any te- any head who doesn't, you know, didn't, didn't close the school after section 44, but then was like forced to close, those, and Lee always says this like, you know, people remember how they're treated in the bad times and those head teachers that have screwed people over, you know, and then been forced to kind of change what they're doing anyway. Like people are going to remember, remember that, that kind of thing. And, and again, you know, there are, there are places, some schools where they're building for strike action now. Well, I don't even know if they're building for strike action. I think they're just, they're just balloting it. So if you, yeah, I think that's what they're doing. They're just most, I think people will stand down, but yeah, your, your head is not following section 44. Your head's forcing you all to come in um, just do an indicative ballot. Just do it. Doesn't matter. Get loads of people on a Zoom call. Do a survey. Uh, you know, don't even go through the union structures. Just do an indicative ballot and just say you've done it and uh, see what happens. And the good thing as well about this is parents are on side. Like generally, what I've noticed is parents very much are on side, which is also massively helpful. And and the government can't ignore all the parents as well. Like they can't. It, uh, and it's also worth noting to those people that, you know, uh, decry union militancy in inverted commas is that every if you're enjoying a weekend at the moment or you're enjoying your 40 hour working week at the moment or you're enjoying your minimum wage and all these other things, they weren't handed to you on a plate by anybody. OK, union action fought and won for those things. OK, the powers that be aren't just going to give you these things They've all been fought for and won. So if you don't think that unions should be doing what they're doing, then do you know what? Just just go and work work 12-hour days, six days a week, mate. Do that. Go on, you do that. Because that is the world you'd be living without unions. And it's always worth reminding people of that. I'm just going just gonna to pull you up on the weekend thing. Because uh, oh, okay. obviously schools aren't open I'm at wrong. the weekends. So when... Because kids... It's better for kids to be in school, isn't it? So <laughs> weekends are bad because kids are school. <laughs> like the holidays as well. The holidays are also bad because I think kids should be learning and they should be in schools and the best place for kids to be is in school and the weekends and holidays are bad. And at night, and at night as well. <laughs> I was going to say you be, missed night. Miss <laughs> 7pm, 8pm, it's one of my least favourite times. So I'm always thinking, God, if only we were all at school. Yeah. you imagine the learning kids would be doing right now, but instead I'm eating my dinner I'm such a bad person. Well, that's where remote learning is going to go, isn't it? It's just like talking like to the school. kids. Yeah, yeah, reading them a story to get them to sleep kind of thing. <laughs> Do you know, like, kids won't even be raised by the parents anymore. They'll just be in like little like pens and just like with screens and just teaching like them 24-hour rotation. Like, 
It's like it's like what someone said on Twitter, which I don't remember. It's like it's um, George Orwell's Animal Crossing happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> COVID nineteen eighty four. Oh god! Think I about saw it. some. I saw some really rubbish um, chalked graffiti um, on my walk, basically being like, "Take your muzzles off." And uh, someone actually wrote COVID-1984 and I was like, oh, oh no, the best one around here is uh, someone had written, uh, only sheep, no, 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 it's just uh, sheep wear masks. And then someone had written, <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, that's really tickled me. Um, right. So, uh, requires improvement. So, agenda item number three Um which is what requires improvement or who? Uh, Gavin Williamson. Let's talk about that legend, shall we? Um, so there are a bunch of rather more uh, smooth brain people out there that are clamoring for the resignation of Gavin Williamson. And uh, I'm going to posit my accelerationist theory that uh, actually Gavin Williamson is the education secretary we've always needed. Because uh, the, these are real, these are real mask off times. Uh, I think Gavin Williamson is a very honest approximation of the system functioning as intended, and with all the spite and malice and hollow egos to to, to fuel this this insanity along. So, um, Gavin Williamson, thank you for showing everyone the real face of the Department for Education. Thank you for illustrating what the real role of Ofsted is to, to bully and threaten workplaces. Uh, well done for, th- you know, taking legal action against London councils, you know, three weeks before you then ordered those very same schools to shut. <laughs> You're doing a fucking fantastic job, mate, of making our lives easier, of showing staff, you know, parents and students how little they are thought of, you know, and, and to take, you know, the decision as well, the belated one. Uh, after you know, on exams, you know the cancellation thereof, or at least in their present form, to just be doing this at this stage of the year, it's it's fucking with everyone's heads. And and whilst I'm not in favour of that, the, the the actions of the DfE during this entire crisis, for me, just match with how they were behaving in a more benign way beforehand. Um, I, I just think it's more obvious now. Covid's turned up the contrast on who these people are and what their values are. So you can, you can start you can start to see some of the people on edgy Twitter. They're almost starting to get it. They're almost starting to see it. Uh, like is it Laura McKinnery? Like every so often she's kind of kind of realizing that the government don't have their any kind of anyone's best intentions at heart. And I saw so one, you say they're just starting to realize. Yeah, they almost. Get, but it's like proper liberal. You know, they, they just think it's incompetence. They're just like, oh, oh, this, this doesn't work because this person's done this thing badly. And actually, there's good things about Ofsted, that kind of thing. And I saw this one tweet that was amazing. It was like, I'm starting to think that the government only closed the schools um, because there was going to be a big showdown between the DfE and the unions, and the unions were going to win. It's like, <laughs> steaming hot take there, mate. That is that's literally... They, they literally you tell us that's, that a parody account. No, 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 it wasn't because he follows these other people, and it's like they're just starting to get how things actually work. It's not. Oh, it's. it's I'm starting to think they they haven't uh, used reason or any kind of evidence in what they're doing, and they were forced to do something by something that we did. It's like, yeah, 
I mean, e- even the Gu- even the Guardian's editorial, like like a fucked clock is right twice a year or, d- or a day or whatever the fucking idiom is. They came out. It, it, the, the, the Guardian were to the left of the Labour Party on this on on school closures on January the fifth. They had sided with the NEU, and that's like unheard of. That's how right we were, you know. Uh, anyway, <laughs> bottom of the Guardian article: A fucked clock is right twice a year. Have you considered becoming a supporter of what we do? <laughs> Broken clocks are right once or twice a day, but fucked clocks only once a year. <laughs> exactly, it's got like a whole calendar function that is just broken. That's how fucked it is. Relentlessly <laughs> chasing the wrong time. <laughs> Well, I, would, I would I would caution against the uh, Gavin Williamson thing because he is so he just seems to be hated by everyone that um, again it, it allows that liberal take that it's not a system issue it's it's a it's a personnel issue True. and if they just got rid of him they get someone more competent and then all that kind of projected stuff like oh because he's because he's been he's he's looked stupid now so he's going to dig in more and all this kind of stuff and it's like you know putting this putting it all down to personalities when really like we know what the the system is but i just you know and again other people saying like oh what will it take for him to resign it's like he literally won't resign they won't even if he wanted to they would not let him because this government is going to act with complete impunity why would you set a precedent for ministerial resignations dominic cummings would not resign pretty patel had to resign in disgrace because of stuff she did before this government now she's now she's um home secretary all these other people who the tories have like they've lost their seats or whatever they've kicked out in disgrace they're all in the lords now you know they, they do not like none of you know they're not going why would they ever accept culpability for any of these things and, and you know again that potentially it's there that's their way of spiting us as well as keeping this person in but and surely boris from his point of view sorry alexander the peffle ass wipe um surely surely he for him it's actually quite good to have someone to like be more shit than him at the moment and more hated than him. So actually, for him, it's fucking brilliant, isn't it? It's like, oh God, like take some of the heat, mate. Like it'd be all right. Mm. But I think where we need to get to is um, when kind of if things ever get back to normal, whether they do or don't, is there will just be this kind of amnesia to be let's 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 bring everything back, let's bring the exam system back, let's bring the accountability, uh, performance management back, let's bring Ofsted back and pretend it never happened. And I think we just need to get to a point where increasingly, like it's it seems obvious, but it's it's worth repeating. It's like well, it's two things to think about. It's the learning conditions of a child are the working conditions of their educators, and it's about thinking that well who should matter in a school it should be the kids their parents their families and the staff who who staff these places not Ofsted and it is it boils down to for too long head teachers have been more scared of the DfE and Ofsted than than parents or or than staff but I mean let's get to the point of if Ofsted come in there's Ofsted inspectors at the door just look right past them just ignore them treat treat them with contempt because we need to get to this point like you've got head teachers being like I'm going to potentially kill my employees for Gavin Williamson. I'm going to allow my employees to bring a deadly virus into their home to kill members of their families or their household for Gavin Williamson. I'm going to de- I'm going to drive you to stress, anxiety and depression to the brink of suicide for Gavin Williamson. I'm going to ruin your career for Gavin Williamson. At what point do you just have to say no, ultimately? 
Absolutely. Charlie? Yeah, it's just an interesting point. I thought of, like, through that, that um, the parent power that exists um, seems to be directly linked with the interests of Ofsted anyway, because I've known um, parents who, rightly or wrongly, have um, reported a school to to Ofsted and then the inspection went one way, the other, or but was generally really, really harrowing for for the school and all its staff. And that's the only way that you can make a difference like this. It's a big, like, top trump that parents can have, but that's only if... Um, the, the outcome you're looking for is basically just a pure punishment of the school or actually some identifying, in one case I know of, of health and safety, whether health and safety um, situation of the the learning centre, it wasn't a school, it was a nursery, was genuinely bad. But the, the way that that's your power and the way that some parents feel so disenfranchised by the whole system that that's the only thing that they might do, that they don't have more reasonable conversations, they don't, it, it gets to that point and it's really bad. But if the thing you have wrong with the school is nothing to do with Ofsted and the outcome you're looking for isn't going to be helped by Ofsted, you're completely powerless to, to make any difference. If the head doesn't want to change it, if no one wants to help you with it, then... then well, apart from through collective parent power, you are very much powerless in our system. And also, let's face it, until Ofsted are able to fix inequality, then their powers are limited anyway. Because we all know that that is the, that is the biggest indicator of, you know, generally the biggest indicator of success. And, and the reason that essentially schools, outstanding schools tend to be schools generally, as we know, with a more, a more wealthy intake. So until Ofsted actually deal with inequality, open short start centres, open libraries, give, um, you know, parents a basic universal in- income, which means kids don't have to live in poverty, um, which means kids don't have to share all that technology, then as far as I'm concerned, they're not fit for purpose. They're not supportive. They're not helping. They should just do their, they should just do the Ofsted inspections remotely, which means they just go and look at the house prices in the local area and they put it in a, <laughs> in a band of four categories. That, that would literally work. <laughs> yeah, that would literally work, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, I quite like the idea of setting up like a weird like Potemkin village of like the perfect classroom and that's all they can see through the webcam. And you just use like, <laughs> you use, like finger puppets to like show how the system is functioning as they would like to see it. When behind, just behind the sort of weird Sylvanian family's doll's house you've made of the classroom, the school's on fire. There's just plague victims, just bodies lying in the corridor. That, that, I don't know. I just, what, what does Ofsted expect to see other than an education system in paralysis currently? What, what you know, I, I mean, sure, we can, we can scrape some meaning from remote learning. I'm trying to deliver the best lessons I can without being too hard on myself. Um, but Ofsted can fucking do one, to be honest. And the, the very fact that they were holding this over us like a sword of Damocles for term three is all just part of the mind games that these people are involved in. I fucking hate it. Yeah. And also, Amanda Spielman saying that schools are safe, yet Ofsted have not been inspecting schools because COVID. So if they're safe, Amanda, then why are you not in schools in a supportive capacity? If you're so convinced that you can go into a school and be safe and not spread the virus around in a school, then fine. Like, But your actions are contradictory to your words. We should invite them in and then like in the morning you just tell your tutor group, these outsiders just go and cough on them 
like lick their that's what should have like that offs- whoever coughs at an offset like you will get you will get expelled but i will give you a hundred pounds oh dear yeah Right. Well, I think we've kind of definitely uh, covered our favourite, favourite education secretary at the moment, um, ever. So- I prefer him to the Labour one, so that is, that's good, isn't it? Well, he's more use. You know. oh, wow. <laughs> God, Christ, it's 2021, isn't it? Right, so um, last, uh, well, uh, well, one of our last items is going to be about around schools opening again and certain... Not all, because actually, as, as we've mentioned earlier, heads unions in general have been pretty good. Um, and I know that there's many heads and SLT members that have been very, very supportive. Um, however, that's not the case everywhere. Um, and in certain workplaces we've been hearing about is SLT and making things a lot harder than it needs to be in terms of how they're going to run um, remote learning uh, this term and some of the things that they're trying to sort of make their staff do. Um, I know schools and my workplace as well, uh, their original stance was going to be all members of staff in the building, um, even if the students weren't there. But instead of working from home, they expect us all to be in. Now, in theory, yeah, I get it. OK, we can we can distance ourselves at school. But obviously, when government advice and um, what we should be doing is limiting travel wherever possible, um, to minimise risks, that is not a stance that um, uh, we're particularly happy with. And luckily, we did a bit of organisation and now we are able to work from home. Um, however, the format that the lessons are happening in, so me personally, because of my living situation, I share I share a workspace um, with another teacher who doesn't work at my school, means that I, I will have to go in um, to deliver my lessons from school in order to not have a clash with my housemate. And I know I'm not the only person in that situation. Um, there's a few members of staff that I know of um, in the area and certainly within within my, my workplace that kind of their hands are tied and they have to go in. Um, they don't have the choice to work from home. That choice has been removed from them because of the way that the, the home learning live lessons have been set up. Um, so... I just sort of wondered what anyone's taken on that is. and, and Yeah, um, I was going to chime in later because uh, speaking from my own perspective, um, I've been quite happy, I suppose, with what's going on in my school. But even within the multi-economy trust that the school is a part of, I think that's quite a mixed experience. And I think that it is down to the decisions of our senior leadership that the situation's um, quite reasonable um but equally so what I'm doing is I'm managing and I say managing as opposed to teaching there's you know there's a teaching element but the primary role is to be continually managing the year six key worker group um which is currently made up of six students which is quite low considering the area is extremely deprived uh but the school's made a huge amount of effort to make sure that there are uh laptops or their their sort of rubbishy Chromebooks and you know things like that but you know they do the job because we use the same ones at the school as well um yeah they've been they've been delivered out to all the children that need it um we access the same learning that all the children do at home and it is uh doable uh I feel that obviously you know we've been settling in this week but I think you know we're going to start 
looking at all sorts of different um, things that we could do in between the times when we're not doing the home um, learning because the home learning doesn't take too long if you actually have a calm space, which is what I try and provide the children with. Uh, but I don't think at home they necessarily have that calm space, so I can see why other children uh, might take longer to achieve that work when they're at home. Uh, we've also got... Uh, again, I don't know whether sort of this is. I'm just going to tell you my whole experience. Um, we've got, also got lateral flow tests now being provided on a Friday afternoon, and I'm really mixed because we only found them out on Friday morning, and I got one on Friday afternoon. But there's the whole thing about are they effective in even identifying uh, COVID? But they are quick, um, and also the risks posed to the people who support us in order to basically self-test, but they support um, us when we go in to do it. Um, So I do feel slightly safer in being in, not only with my six children. I mean, they do get close to each other sometimes. uh, And you do your best to tell them not to, but also there's only so much um, you can really say to to stop these tiny little moments that do happen. Um, But yeah, I feel like that keeps us a bit safer. I feel like the situation is reasonable. But I've heard, yeah, I've heard all sorts of stories to sort of that are a lot more harrowing. People obviously being sent in with twenty five uh, children to work with. People being expected to do all of the home learning and all the tutoring. Um, just before the announcement of um, schools being closed, you know, no, that's not that um, closed officially, but closed in their current state. Um, there was one school that was not only. Um, having their section forty four is ignored, I think, but or they went or they weren't confident to do them. But in any case, they were scared to go in. But also, the heating wasn't working, so they were being told go in, no heating, pop a coat on, uh, and you can be with your thirty children as normal. What's what's to worry about? Oh, you know, almost a thousand people dying a day. Don't worry about that. Just just pop a coat on. Um, and a whole variety of other other scary stories, but um, yeah, it it can be dealt with well, even even with most deprived areas, I'd say, uh, and with children who are really vulnerable, uh, it's not perfect. But yeah, there are there are some scary things happening out there for for many other educators. I think I think it's hard as well because what we're what we're having to do deliver remotely, uh, it kind of makes everyone an NQT again. Um, and like I'm a rep in my school and it's quite, um, it's a bit difficult to tell between what is genuinely like, um, a workload issue and what is someone just freaking out. And there's no, and I don't mean any, I'm not like negative about members freaking out. Like it's a complete rational situation to have a complete freak out, but it's kind of like, People being like, oh my God, I've got to do this and do this. and It's going to take hours. It's going to take five hours. How am I going to find time to do this thing? And I've got to do it like this. And it's like, no, no, you don't. You know, calm down. Calm down. You can just do this little thing. And, you know, just reminding them like we're not, it's not a replacement for school. Uh, no, no, I can't, can't bother to work out the semantics of the sentence here. The point is, it's not a perfect replacement of school. It's never going to be as good as school um, because the social side is just not there. And you can do bits to try and recreate it, but it's just not there. It's never going to be as good as in person. Um, but we shouldn't try and make it that like that. Definitely not worth trying to kill yourself over 
um, trying to make things a certain way or not. And yeah, it's just that thing of like, it's the hierarchy of needs thing, isn't it? It's like, and this happened a lot last term, teachers don't feel safe and then management say, do this new thing and people freak out because they're not secure enough to do a new thing uh, because everything's so horrible. Like, So yeah, I want to see how things settle over the next six weeks, but I think it could kind of be okay for most people. You just kind of have to do things differently i thought you know, think what are the strengths the strengths are they're not sat in a room with other kids or me so i've been setting a lot more independent work than i would in my lesson because in my lesson i just chat complete shit and uh wind them up because it's funny um or you set an independent work and they get bored and start talking to each other so you know at least in this i can set work and they just do it in the, you know so you sort of think what's the positives here and just just do that and it's not that kids fall behind i think this this there's a couple of articles about this, but I think it needs to be talked about more. It's not that they're going to fall behind unless you care about what the, what they're behind. You know, the school system is not good enough for us to be that worried if they miss a few weeks of it. It's not that relevant. Like there's lots of problems with it. Um, and kids are adaptable, you know, like we should be thinking about what others, what new things are they going to learn that they wouldn't have learned uh, if they'd been in school, you know, spending more time with their, with their family. You know, some teenagers might not spend any time with their, their parents. Parents are at work, they go out, all that kind of stuff. You know, like learning, learning a bit of resilience, like learning, learning cooking, like getting better at, you know, people forcing, forcing to spend time with each other. Kids maybe picking up a book that they never would have picked up um, before. So, I mean, like, I think we need to talk about that. It's not about lost. And that's the other Amanda Spielman thing that she does that's really irritating is she kind of makes up an imaginary number in her head of like lost learning hours. Have you seen her like do that on like Heard or do that on BBC? It'd be like, well, if every, you, you take like, you know, so a day of school missed is like five hours and you multiply that by the number of kids and you go, there's five bajillion hours of learning lost in this country. Is it this like huge number supposed to scare you, but a thousand people a day isn't. Um, so I think mm. we need to kind of make, make the argument that it's not that, um, it's not they're falling behind, it's that they're, they're adapting and they're going to be different. And we need to be like positive about that and try and kind of, not just let remote learning be reduced to the most boring things about the job, but we need to try and keep that kind of personal connection open. I think I'm going to start every one of my lessons with like a weird, a weird question, like a kind of, would you rather kind of thing or like a thunk at the start, just on a, on a slide as they all come in, because you want them to talk to you. And, but you know, that, you know, you're sat yeah. behind the thing and the camera's not on and they don't want to talk and it's got, I'm just going to go really, really stupid with these things and just be really kind of silly and just get them to, into force them to interact with me in some kind of way and just kind of keep that and keep myself going as well. Cause that's the fun thing about the job is just like weirding out kids, but like, <laughs> yeah, just talking into a screen about facts just does, doesn't really do that. And also that's, that for me was what makes the whole, um, Gavin Williamson's insidious, like, please report, um, schools to Ofsted that you think have been like providing substandard home learning because that, you know, it, it's just, so horrible because that you know the idea that people are stressed enough as it is that we're trying to get used to new ways of doing things and just like you say we're trying to be positive I'm trying to think well do you know what's a good thing I still get that relationship with my kids I still get the classes that I teach that I spend a lot of effort building good relationships with and getting them to sort of yeah as you say respond to you that I've still got that I'm still going to get that at some level which I love but then when you've got Gavin Williams going, going, yeah, but, you know, I'm going to make sure that you report, shop shop your school to Ofsted if you don't think that they're doing enough for your kids. Um, you know, it, it just adds to that idea, that stress and that anxiety 
that just does not need to be there and is so unsupportive. What I would mention about this is that the the learning compared this is what we were saying when we were saying to close the schools, we were saying the learning is going to be way better this time because we've had more time to practice with these online methods and you know get used to different technology and, and things like that. But it is interesting. If we'd if in last April we'd switched like straight away to what we're delivering now, I think parents would be like, yeah, damn right, it should be the same as it was in a classroom. But the fact that we did it kind of in a in a more chaotic way last time because we just had to because of the events and now I've had time to kind of improve it means they really appreciate it because they can see what it's like when it's not there so I think and again it's going to be interesting when it, when it does roll around to February half term let's say the virus rates are still out of control and we don't feel as a union comfortable to open the schools again we're going to have the parents with us if we say look keep it closed for another week and they've seen all this like brilliant online stuff their kids are engaged they're a bit bored but they're okay with it um, that really helps strengthens our hand in going back and saying, no, we need another couple of weeks here. Um, yeah. Do you know what? I think that leads us nicely on to um, our outstanding um, for this episode, which is, um, speaking of Gavin's insidious insistence that people shop terrible, terrible online teaching to Ofsted, the fact that um, there's been a massive campaign to actually report good stuff to Ofsted. And I think it was over half a million. Ofsted received over half a million emails and calls praising teachers instead of... of um, um, was it, it wasn't and that many. Was it? it, was it, was it, it 50,000? I thought it was 50,000. 5,000, 5, I thought. <laughs> oh, sugar. I've read that wrong. One second. Is it five? No, it's more than 5,000. I thought it was 50,000. Lauren's going to si- send 25,000 more just to kind <laughs> yeah. of make sure she's right. Um, can I re-record that then? Because that's really bad. Science teacher, eh? Uh, I've, I've read, you know what? I just was optimistic and I've read that wrong. I'll try that again. Science is just a number. Yeah, but it's not because I don't want to be inaccurate. I hate it that. A, it, was a, it was a penis joke. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Lisa Stolen. This is all gold. This is it. This is my, my downfall. According my to schools, speak more than 5,000 emails at the end of last week. Half a million is oh, more than 5,000, though. Shit. Did you say half a million at first, Laura? I did. I thought it was 500,000. <laughs> One for every teacher. Yeah. Actually, it's 5 million. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing my. Fucking mind. What, do, what, I read, what is it of half a million? I've read something about half a million and I can't remember where I've read half a million. Half a million, half a million, million, million any members. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Sorry. Oh, shit. Well, you know you know what Uncle Joe said, you know, 5,000 is a tragedy. 5 million is just a statistic. Yeah. I literally, I've got that. I was doing research. I've been reading so much today that I was like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. Right, I'll do that again because that's really bad. You better cut that out, Lee. <laughs> so that, I think, leads us nicely onto our outstanding uh, this week. Speaking of uh, Gavin Williamson's rather nasty sort of uh, plea to shop bad, what he perceives to be bad online teaching to Ofsted, um, I believe that 5,000 parents have instead contacted Ofsted to say how happy they are Um with the online learning and to praise teachers, which I think is lovely and heartwarming. And A, a big up yours to Ofsted, which is always good. Um, Number two, a big up yours to the DfE, which is also good. And mostly 
just a really heartwarming thing because as teachers and educators in any capacity in a school to actually feel valued by the the people that you teach and their families is actually all you can really ask for and that support just makes you feel do you know what this has given me a bit more strength to keep going and just just someone say thank you because let's face it we don't get it in many other places in our profession so I just want to say a big thank you to all of those people that took the time to praise us and give us the boost maybe we'll get a clap oh maybe like a Friday after school clap maybe that's we, we should we could get a clap but I don't I want to pay rise mate <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, the clap is for heroes now, so I think that we could technically class under that, but I don't personally want it. No, because we're supposed to. There's supposed to be more of us dead if we're going to be heroes. Do you remember the Daily Mail when they were going that horrible article, which was "Let our teachers be heroes." No, what you mean is let us go in and die so we can send mummy and daddy back to work for the man. Anyway, we can clap so, ourselves. That's what we we'll can do. Touch. Can we clap ourselves? Yeah. Yay! Woo! Awesome. Um, right, so I think <laughs> it's pathetic, isn't it? We don't need to go back to that. Our I'm brains were mangled. Our brains were mangled in, in I'm April. Like... Anyone who kept listening to the point yeah. when they got to that. <laughs> I think I think we're all a bit. We, we can cut that out, can't we, Lou? No, I want it in. <laughs> you want it in? Okay. Um, fine. It's staying in. We'll blame it on the lockdown, lot. brain. Oh, we've, yeah. we've had a lot to put up with. I mean, I've hardly seen another yeah, it's song been a long, for days. It's been a long first week. That, that was a pretty intense three-day organising rush. Um, and I guess we're coming to terms with the, the new normal. So, <laughs> At least yeah, five weeks yeah. to go, though. So, you know. Here we go. Well, um, okay, I suppose we should probably wrap things up now. So uh, we've been Requires Improvement. I've been your host, Lauren, and we've also been joined by Nick, Charlie, Lee and Tom. Take care, everyone. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.